1: The Unofficial Bengals Podcast.
0: Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to review the debacle against the Browns, and we're going to do a preview of the Panthers game, and we're also going to do a small version of the round table with Justin Lacy and Tom McLevy.
2: What's up, guys? This is Evan McPherson, and you're listening to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast.
0: Cincinnati Bengals fans, I would like to introduce Frank LaPlaca. Man, that was a tough one last night. I want to say let's just pick up and move on. The season is still alive, and all those things are true, but i got to be honest with you. I was sulking all day today. I've been off all day, and I'm going to attribute it mostly to that loss from last night. It was just tough to handle. We haven't gotten blown out in a long time. It feels like the last time was against the Browns last year. And here we are again with the Browns as a major hurdle. And it shows it's tough to get back to the Super Bowl. You know, I thought we were just going to mow through our schedule this year, win the AFC Championship, go into the Super Bowl, and and be champions. I thought it was kind of that easy because we were riding such a high. We made improvements to the team in the offseason. The schedule was favorable in some spots. So I thought we were going to have some good luck. But it just goes to show that that's exactly what you need. You need a little bit of luck. You need to stay injury-free. You need a couple breaks to go your way. You need some magic happening, and, you know, those are the things that take you back to the Super Bowl. It's not just being a good team. You saw last year, the Bills were a good team. They didn't get there. You know, we were a good team. We got there, but we had all those other things in our favor. You know, the lack of injuries and the momentum and stuff like that. But I have to say, no matter how bleak it looks after a bad loss like this, I still believe. All right, so let's quickly go over some headlines and some news. So first off, the trade deadline was here and gone, and the Bengals didn't do anything. And I understand that we're not the type of team to do a lot of wheeling and dealing. That's not really our MO. But you got to think you have to improve your team when you can. And, you know, this was the last chance to get real reinforcements. Anything from here on in is going to be waiver wire pickups or, you know, players that are on the street or not wanted by other teams. This was a chance to bring in a couple good players. And a lot of times teams protect that draft capital with everything you have and my philosophy is this the draft is hit or miss you know we can talk about all the first rounders those those coveted first round picks that you would never want to deal or do anything with and you know you have your William Jacksons Darquez Denard Cedric Obwehi Billy Price even Jonah Williams you know you have this whole list of guys that didn't really pan out that were first-rounders. So you just never know what you're going to get in the draft. So I believe if you have a good team like we do and a team that had some momentum coming into this game like we did, that you, you mortgage some of that to succeed right now because you can get draft picks later, right? If you really want extra draft picks, you can make deals before the draft or after the season or things of that nature. You know, if you're just going to hold on to draft picks and then sit with some major deficiencies on your roster, you're going to ruin this year just for the future. And of course the future is important, and you want to build a good team, and you want to build a, a sustainable team, without a doubt. But in this case, I would have went after an offensive lineman. We, we do need a tackle. We need some help up there. Joe Burrow is getting killed. It's the same thing as last year. You know, the interior guys are performing pretty well. Lyle Collins has been a little up and down. We'll talk about Jonah in a little bit. But this would have been probably the last chance to bring in a blue-chip left tackle or just some improvement to the offensive line. And I would have given away some draft picks to do that. You want a second-rounder for a really good left tackle? You want a first-rounder? Fine. You know, it depends who the player is. But that's how I'm thinking. Do everything you can to win now while you have a young Joe Burrow. When you have Jamar Chase and these guys are in their prime, they're not costing you a lot of money. The window closes quickly in this league, and it would have been good for us to make a deal for an offensive lineman, and especially with the cornerback injuries that we're having now, appearing that Awuzie is out for the year, and we don't have a ton of depth behind him, all of a sudden we got really thin at that position. This would have been a good opportunity to trade and get another corner as well. So I think two missed opportunities. I mean, maybe we tried. I don't know what what happened behind closed doors. But a lot of times, not just the Bengals, but a lot of teams just protect those draft picks. And, you know, you're waiting for a future gain and mortgaging the present. I say, go for it in the present. I wish I could have talked to Mr. Tobin a day ago and, and told him these philosophies. But here we are, no new players. We're going to ride with what we have, and it's going to be tough sledding. Another interesting thing I was looking at is we played mostly backup quarterbacks. Aside from Lamar Jackson, who we almost beat, and Marcus Mariota, who's not really a great passer, who we did beat, all these six other games were against quarterbacks that were backups. I mean, you could say Trubisky either way there, but I mean, he's on the bench right now. So we've kind of been fortunate to play non-premium quarterbacks for most of our first eight games but it's going to get tougher from here we're going to have your Josh Allens and your Mahomes there's going to be a lot better quarterback play that we're going to have to contend with so we got a little lucky in these first eight games we didn't quite take advantage of that it would have been nice to go in five and three six and two you know on paper I almost had us at seven and one at this point and unfortunately it's only led to a 500 record And the Browns have our number. I've been saying that for the last couple years. There's just something about the matchup. You know, the Browns play other teams, and they look pretty pedestrian. They play us, and they look like superstars. I just don't know if it's personnel. Miles Garrett and Chubb, we always just have problems with those two guys in particular. It just seems like in the trenches they have our number, and I just don't understand. I'm not sure if it's that or they get all fired up to play an Ohio team or something with the coaching but something's going on where we're having a real hard time getting past the Browns, and last game of the year is against the Browns, and that's going to be a major one that we're probably going to need for playoff berth. And that's one of the last teams in the league that I want to face when we're in that position. So we'll see what happens then. But man, we got to figure out these these Cleveland Browns. It's it's, it's frustrating, actually. You know, I, I was going into this game, we had so much momentum, and I'm thinking, you know what, this is the time we're going to blow these guys out. Brissett was looking bad the week before; they had a ton of injuries and we just couldn't take advantage and it happens you know you're not going to win every game there's going to be some disappointments you're going to look really flat on some games you're going to look really good on other games in this case it was flat against a divisional rival that has our number so the red flag is up you know we got to be aware we got to really figure out how to get past these guys and swing that around because I think we have a better team and a better roster it's just something in this matchup All right, so on to the offensive line. Jonah Williams is really struggling. And, you know, I've I've been, unfortunately, critical of Jonah over the last year or two because I just haven't been impressed with his play, and I'm not seeing a lot of growth. You know, he'll have some good games. He had a couple good games leading up to this, but not against great pass rushers. He had a great game in the playoffs last year against the Raiders. I keep referring to that. So there have been flashes. But overall, as a starting left tackle, it's just not good enough right now. And it shows in some of the games that we lost. We, you know, it seems like when we face a really dominant pass rusher, like a T.J. Watt, a Miles Garrett, a Micah Parsons, those guys have wrecked the game and we haven't been able to win those games. So, you know, there's a couple good pass rushers coming up. You have your Von Millers. I mean, you know, you, you can run down the schedule. There, we're going to face a few really good pass rushers. And I'm hoping that we can solve this issue of, hey, you have one dominant pass rusher. We're going to find a way to neutralize him and still run our game plan. Because, truthfully, these guys, Good pass rushers have just wrecked games against us and we've been looking bad. And recently, Miles Garrett has been lining up a lot on the other side. And I was like, they're not going to do that against Cincinnati because Miles Garrett has had Jonah Williams' number for a while now. And he started off on the left side. He started off against Collins. I thought Collins was doing pretty well against him. Maybe a little bit of pressure here. But then they, they were like, you know what? Get him over against Jonah. And that's what led to sacks. That's what led to hits on Burrow. That's what led to a tipped ball that was an interception. So I just knew it was a matter of time before... They exploited that matchup, and they did it pretty early in the game, and it was a very successful strategy for Cleveland to have him lining up over Jonah Williams. It's going to be rough with some of these injuries, but, you know, let's take a very quick look at the upcoming games. So we have the Panthers at home. That has to be a win. The Panthers are kind of mortgaging the season and looking towards the future and stockpiling draft picks. They have have another backup quarterback that we're facing here. It's just everything seems to be in our favor. They don't have a lot of talent on the roster right now. That should be a game that we win. And if we don't win, it's really going to put a damper on the season. So you figure if everything goes right and the better team wins at home since he is now 5-4. and four. And then we go into the bye. And then when we go into the bye, hopefully we can get some of these corners healthy. I don't think woozy is coming back. But at least like the Eli Apple and the Trey Flowers hamstrings, hopefully they have time to heal. I know DJ Reader is is getting better, so hopefully he comes back after the bye. It would be a nice boost to get some healthy corners back and DJ Reader before we move into a really tough part of the schedule. So that's the goal for the bye week. Kind of reassess things. Think about what's going right and wrong on the offensive line and what we have to do to scheme to be better. But that would be the goal during the bye. We come out of the bye at Steelers. You know, another tough team, divisional rival. TJ Watt is not in there, so that that bodes well for us. Pickett is struggling. So, you know, with any luck, and I don't I'm sorry I'm playing the win-win-loss win -win game. I really shouldn't do that, but I just want to give some motivation to us. Four and four right now. Could go five and four, then to six and four with the Steelers win. Again, if the better team wins, it would be us. That's six and four. And now we head into the real test. We go at Titans they're a very sound team. They're not as good as they were last year, but they're in first place. They're stacking up wins. Derrick Henry is an issue. So that can go either way. Hopefully we get that game. I mean, you know, that's one on paper that might not go in our favor since it's on the road and you know, we're struggling with our offensive line. They have a very good defensive line. So we could end up at 6 and 5 there, but I mean, if we go 7 and 4, then we we have built that momentum of last year. And, you know, after the performance against the Browns, it's hard to just say we're going to rattle off three straight wins. And I can't guarantee that, promise it, predict it, or maybe even believe it. But that would be the secret to getting somewhere this year. And then we're home against the Chiefs. And if we don't have all the healthy corners, that's going to be a problem because Mahomes is going to pick you apart. They have a lot of speed. They have a bunch of receivers on that team, so you can't cover everybody. What are you thinking, 7-5? and I mean, maybe if we don't get past the Titans, we're at 6-6. and You know, I hate to say that, but at 6-6 six and six through 12, you still have a shot for the playoffs if you get hot down the stretch. But you really want to try to go in 7-5 and five or better. So we'll see what happens over the next four. But that's what we have coming up. There's some reasons to believe that we're going to do well, and then there's some reasons to believe that we're not going to do well. We're just going to have to ride it out, see what happens, and just have fun with the journey and have fun along the way. These are Cincinnati Bengals games. We're in contention no matter what happens over these next couple games. So let's enjoy it, because before you know it, It'll be March, and we'll be dying for more football. And that Awuzier injury is tough. He was having such a good year, and it's looking like he's going to be out for the year. And that's losing your number one corner. That's losing your best cover guy. So that's going to be a major problem when we're playing some of the better teams. You know, I wish him a speedy recovery. He was on his way to making the Pro Bowl this year unless he got snubbed like they often do to the Cincinnati Bengals. But either way, we have him for next year. Get healthy. Can't wait to have you back. On top of that, now you have the Eli Apple hamstring and the Trey Flowers hamstring. So the corner position against the Panthers is going to be a rough one. Hopefully after the bye, guys heal up, as I said earlier. But that could be one of the things that affects us and hurts us against the Panthers. If, if we lose, that might be something that you point to in that game. I'm hoping that we can overcome it. Because you have to think about who's behind that. You know, last game we had Dax Hill and Cam Taylor Britton there for the end. And, you know, they kind of exploited Dax and Taylor Britt didn't have his best game in the world either but it's still very young in his career I'm glad that we got him some work last week that way against the Browns it wasn't just his first action at corner but we're going to be leaning on these guys and you know I'm thinking that they're going to bring up Alan George from the practice squad and he's going to get his shot And he played very well in the preseason but again that's not against intricate game plans and a bunch of starters so we have to see what we have there but I think it's going to be your chance Alan this is your chance to succeed and and earn a spot on this roster. You know, the sky's wide open. We actually are going to need you very much this week. And then you probably have Jalen Davis getting some more snaps. The only other corner that's on the roster, practice squad, that's healthy is Marvell Tell, and I don't really think they're going to bring him up. So it's you're probably looking at Allen George and Britt. Of course, you have Hilton in the slot. Dax Hill is going to help out a little at corner, and Jalen Davis is probably going to help out a little bit at corner. If I was the Panthers, I'd be going four wide. I know they don't have a lot of quality receivers, but that would be one way to exploit the bells in this game with the injuries. And then you have Trey Hendrickson. You know, he was hurt in this game too. Unfortunately, he was neutralized by Jarek Wills. And that's a matchup that we should have won. I'm still thinking that he was having problems with his back and, and the pinched nerve. And you saw he came out for a few snaps holding his lower back. So he's not 100%. I'm hoping that, you know, he has a pretty easy game against the Panthers. heals up over the bye. And we get that Trey Hendrickson that was dominant last year when we were making this playoff run down the stretch. Other items, it was nice to see Chris Evans out there get that 26-yard catch in the beginning of the game. And then they forgot about him again. I just don't understand what they're doing with him. You know, I'm one of the guys who likes P. Ryan. I think that P. Ryan is skilled and does a lot for us in a lot of different ways on this team. So I consider him a valuable player. But I'd like to see Evans get more snaps. He's a really big mismatch when you line him up outside as a receiver and they send a linebacker on him because I don't think there's many linebackers in the league that can cover him. So it worked early, and we just never went back to it. And I'm, I'm hoping that we start making him more a part of the game plan because it seems like every time he touches the ball, he seems to do something good with it. And then lastly, the Jamar Chase factor. You saw what it's like without your big playmaker. You know, we forget. I, I guess we don't forget, but you, you saw glaringly that, you know, that's Joe Burrow's go-to guy. That's the guy that can make a big play at any point in the game. That's a guy when you're driving down and, and need to score You're gonna lean on, and it really showed. Without him in the lineup, it was rough because they were doubling Higgins. And you saw without Chase in the lineup, we're a different team. Just like without Hendrickson in the lineup, we're a different team as well. So, two very important players. And I'm hoping Hendrickson gets right, and I just can't wait to get Jamar Chase back. The bye week is going to help with him. They said four to six weeks. So if this week is one, he's going to miss the Panthers. Then a bye. Then he's going to miss the Steelers. And hopefully we get him back for at Titans or Chiefs, but not too early. Wait till he's ready. You certainly don't want to ruin this guy's career. And he does have a hairline fracture on the hip in addition to the hip flexor. And that's not a simple injury either. That's something that could spiral and turn into something bigger. So you really want to make sure that he's definitely 100% before you just run him back out there. And then lastly, condolences to the Zimmer family. Another loss for the family and Coach Zimmer, and I just wish you guys all well, and rest in peace, Adam Zimmer. Week 8 Review, Cleveland Browns 32, Cincinnati Bengals 13. All right, so let's go over some observations from the game and talk about the Browns game a little bit. And as a disclaimer, I'm not going to do my usual where I... I go over the whole roster and how everyone performed and the key plays and you know I'm not going to go through the whole list of stuff because it was a pretty frustrating game we all saw what happened we got beat pretty badly I rewatched most of the game but I just didn't want to go into the normal thing and again not to be a crybaby about it but it just like I said we we saw what happened so I'm just going to give you some quick observations that I made during the game so first off as I said the Browns seemed to have our number and they were down a lot of players you know the they, they didn't have Denzel Ward. They, they were missing Coromoa. They, they had so many guys out that I would just figure that this was going to be our day. Brissette hasn't been playing well, and it just didn't work out like that. You just never know. You know, sometimes the worst team in the league beats the best team in the league, and, you know, you just never know what's going to happen in these games. And as they say, that's why they play the games, right? The biggest takeaway and the best takeaway from this game is that Joe Burrow made it out alive. He got sacked five times. He got hit a bunch of times you know, some ugly takedowns, you know, the usual pounding that he takes. And it was good to see that he made it through the game. And that's the last thing you want is a bad loss to a divisional rival and then Joe Burrow getting hurt. So so that's the good part about the Monday night game. You know, at least Joe Burrow did make it out. And I would have pulled him at the 846 mark. I, I just wrote that down because I remember at the time, I was like, why is he still in there? You know, we're down three scores, maybe even four at that point, And there's no reason to have him in there and risk injury with the way the game was going. It, it wasn't winnable, by the 846 mark and you just have to think about the future and that's one time where I would have pulled a whole bunch of starters and just said you know what let the backups get some action even if the Browns just run up the score and score 50 on us it doesn't matter protect your starters get your backups more experience this would have been the game to do it but they didn't I don't know I don't know why teams don't do that more often like I would pull quarterbacks in blowouts which you see more often but also when you're getting blown out you got to think about the future. There's nothing to gain by having Joe Burrow in there at the eight minute mark with Miles Garrett all over him the whole game. So, back to the game. Game starts. First possession, we're driving well. And I even texted Bengals highlights and I was like, I know football. I can see we're going to win this game. And of course, I got proven wrong pretty quickly. But we were driving well until that interception. And that's a big thing that we talk about. Those little momentum things that happen early in the game sometimes just set you back and you can't recover from them. Like a pick six, a kick return, a quick score for a touchdown, a quick bomb for a touchdown, all those things. And in this case, driving downfield, early interception, Browns are at home, have the momentum, and they never looked back, unfortunately. And as we know, the offensive line was struggling. And it wasn't just in the passing game with Burrow getting sacked five times and all the hits, but it was the running game. There was nowhere for Mixon to run. I've actually never seen him have that ineffective of a game. And it wasn't him. You know, he was running hard. He was trying to find holes. He was trying to break tackles. But there was just nowhere to go. And as a result of that, we became one-dimensional. And we couldn't push it downfield either. So it really made us one-dimensional. They were rushing four guys, and we were having a rough time handling that. So they didn't even need to blitz. Now there's seven guys in the secondary, and that's a minefield to throw into. When you have seven guys dropping back, there's very tight windows. And if you have pressure, it's a no-win, and, and it showed. They were all over the checkdowns, and that's how the game was. It was like Joe couldn't throw downfield. wasn't enough time, too many guys there, so everything was a checkdown or a quick pass, and the Browns were all over that. You heard Joe Burrow say it, and a lot of people in the media have said how well the Browns tackled in this game. And that was very true because, you know, normally you get mix and break in a tackle. All of a sudden you got a 25-yard gain. A couple plays later you're in field goal range, like all those things. And that just was not happening against the Browns. And nice to see Dax Hill and Cameron Taylor Britt get some action. Both of those guys had rough games, unfortunately. Hill got beat pretty badly by Cooper. Taylor Britt was up and down in there. You know, he got beat a couple times as well. Donovan Peoples-Jones had him on a play. And it actually looked like Britt injured his ankle at one point. It just seemed like he was limping around a little bit. He finished the game. I haven't read anything about it since. But same thing when Jamar Chase got hurt. I knew it right away in the in the end zone against the Saints. And no one talked about it. He kept playing this non-factor. Same thing with Britt. I, I saw something. And I'm hoping that he doesn't have the same result as Jamar Chase where he's going to miss some time. Because we need him right now. And this is a chance for him to develop. So that was one other good thing about this game. Even though they made their mistakes, Hill and Britt got to learn under fire. And in a game that you're going to lose no matter what in this case this was the perfect game for those guys to get action even though it was through injury we needed to get them work and we did and throughout the game we did have great field position we just couldn't take advantage after the von bell interception you know there's a couple times we're starting the drive plus 35 yard line which i consider good field position and it just wasn't our day I thought they had Joseph Asai at defensive tackle too much. There was a lot of snaps where they had Hendrickson on the outside and him on the inside. I know that's kind of like a pass-rushing personnel group, but it can burn you against the Browns when they have the two-headed monster at running back of Chubb and Hunt, and you have kind of an undersized guy in there at defensive tackle, so I think that hurt us a little bit in this game as well. Then you have the McPherson misses, and when that happens, you know everything is going south because that guy is just automatic. And I'm always going to defend him because he is my guy. But I felt that the missed field goal at the end of the first half, I thought it was a high snap by Adam Itis. You know, go back, check it out for yourself. But maybe I'm just an apologist for Evan McPherson because I like him so much. But it did seem like that one was a bad snap. And even on the extra point, it wasn't a perfect snap either. But he probably should have made both kicks if, if you want to get technical. Von Bell with another interception. I think he's tied for the league lead. That's nice to see. That's good for his wallet in the offseason. You know, they, they look at your sacks and interceptions. Of course, they look at your body of work. But when you have tangible stats like that, that are important stats, that increases your value. So, you know, that interception probably made him a few more bucks. If he gets a couple more, he's going to be tough to afford, unfortunately. And also at safety, Jesse Bates, a lot of people would say it was a quiet game, but he seemed to be in the Browns' backfield all game and BJ Hill had the blocked field goal which was nice. He just seems to make big plays whenever called upon as well, and I think he's having a great season. And then confusing because Coach Hanrumo's really had that defense playing well and they they don't get penalized a lot. They don't do a lot of stupid things. But we had 12 men on the field twice and we had 10 men on the field once. So, I don't know what was going on. It was just we were just off in every capacity. We really did look flat the whole game everywhere on the team. And it was just like, "Wait, why? You came off a big win" I don't know, maybe this is the the letdown after a big win. It just seemed like we weren't there to play, and and the mental lapses on defense were really confusing, because that has not been a problem for us. So, again, this was a game where just everything went wrong, and, you know, there was a point in the game where I was like, "All right, we lost. Just have fun watching the game. Don't get all mad. What are you going to do? You know, there there comes a point where you're tapping out, and I very rarely tap out as a Bengal fan. I'm always in there saying, "All right, you know what? If we score now and get a turnover, and score again and an onsides you know I'm always thinking of like the impossible scenario to be in any game and there was a point in this game where we were down like three scores and needed a two point conversion and I was like it's just not gonna happen and I was at peace with it and uh, you know I guess until today where I didn't really feel at peace with anything and Joe Burrow a couple nice throws in this game really nice throws to Higgins a good pass to Boyd early in the game you know you, you saw flashes but there really just wasn't time or the scheme to do anything. So it's not a game where I'm going to highlight 15 Joe Burrow throws. But if you watch the game, there were definitely a couple high-level throws, which is what this guy does. So nobody scores in the first quarter. We trade punts. We trade turnovers. And then the Browns happen to go up 6 nothing. We have a penalty, which enables them to get the two-point conversion. You know, that's the analytics. When you get the penalty and it's half the distance, and now you're at the one the odds of making that two-pointer go up pretty significantly. So the Browns took advantage of the analytics and also had the personnel to do it. 8 nothing Browns. Then we get right before the half. We have the missed field goal. Real big momentum changer and also sets them up for a field goal and enables them to score right before the half. Another losing formula. So we're down 11 nothing at the half. But I'm like, you know what? We're good. We can score, get a two-pointer. McPherson can kick a field goal from anywhere, We're making great halftime adjustments. And I was just like, just wait till the second half. You know, the offense is going to kick it into gear. We're not going to give up a touchdown like we have it in the first seven games in the second half. Of course, that streak was also broken by the Browns. So it was just a total loss on every capacity. Because that was an impressive stat, going seven games without letting up a second-half touchdown. And again, a credit to Coach Anarumo. So here we go. Then... The Browns score on their first drive. Now it's 18 nothing, and now it's a three-score game, and now it's starting to look a little bleak. We get the ball, and I'm like, "All right, just score here, you know, and we can find a way to get back into this game. We can get some late Joe Burrow heroics, and and walk out of Cleveland with a win." Just that first drive of the second half was key, and unfortunately, we go three and out, and that was a killer. Then the Browns score on their second drive. Now it's 25 nothing Browns. Now you're down four scores. And they took up like 10 minutes of the third quarter with with those two drives. So in addition to going up now four scores, we're heading into the fourth quarter. And that's almost an impossible game to win. I'd like to see the stats on teams down by four scores in the fourth. And that's what happened. You know, we got a couple scores late. The Browns softened up a little bit. You know, we got a little bit of momentum. But just not enough to win this game. And we walk away with the 32-13 loss. So that's it. It's behind us. No more talking about it. No more thinking about it. We're still 500. If things go right, we can still get everything that we want this year. We just have to focus one game at a time, right? I I know I'm talking in cliches here, but really, what are you going to do? We can't be thinking about the Chiefs in five weeks when we have the Panthers right in front of us. Whether the Panthers are good or bad, they're an NFL team. They get paid to play too. And, you know, they, they just had a pretty emotional game themselves. So we'll see what they bring. But we have to just focus on going five and four, head into the bye, and then just come out second half of the season and and just blow it up. But right now, it's all about the Panther game. Welcome to another edition of the Roundtable, featuring Tom McLevy and Justin Lacy. All right, we're going to do a Roundtable discussion with Tom McLevy and Justin Lacy. Guys, how are you today?
2: Good, good. How you doing? Doing fabulous.
0: So, yeah, I thought this was going to be a celebration episode, and we were going to talk about how we finally knocked off the Browns, and they're not our nemesis anymore, and tied for first place. Of course, none of that stuff happened. You know, it was a really rough game last night. So let's start off with that. Tom, what are your thoughts on what you saw last night?
1: You know, reminiscent of the first couple weeks of the season – you know, you. Uh, I thought they were get, you know, gaining momentum. Um, you know, worked through some some things, but um, they regressed. And simple as that, they did not look good.
0: Justin, what are your initial thoughts on on last night's game?
1: Yeah, it was
2: just pure disappointment all the way around. They got they got their teams kicked in. A good amount of it was warranted and deserved because I felt like. They were the better team, and Cleveland was completely inferior all the way around, probably minus the running back position. But, yeah, I still felt like the Bengals, that, that was the perfect opportunity to seize and control the narrative that Cleveland is not going to keep being this this thing anymore, uh, like, like how Pittsburgh was for many years. And now you lost five straight to Cleveland, and honestly, you just you fell right into the trap of the game plan that they had. You know, one of the things that I had mentioned prior to the game on my own end was that they cannot start out slow in this game. They cannot go out with in this game with us losing a guy like Jamar Chase, thinking that, okay, we're still going to showcase and prove that we can chuck the ball all over the yard and we're not going to be afraid of their pass rush. While that mentality is good, you're still not playing smart because right now the weakness of that Cleveland Browns defense is their run defense they cannot stop the run to save their lives and the way how we played that game on Monday night you would never have known that the Cleveland Browns had one of the worst rush defense in all of football so I tip the cap to them you know they played a hard game as far as like the Browns did they lost four straight coming into that game and they played like they wanted it and meanwhile the Bengals just kind of was ill prepared and ill advised and didn't really stand up to the task at hand to show that they really want to put this Cleveland narrative to bed.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that, Justin. At what point in the game did you start to feel like, all right, we're not going to win this one?
2: I don't want to sound like every other fan that wants to make the notion of the once we had the tipped interception of the first drive, that that's when you just kind of knew that the air was just going to be deflated and this is going to be a long day. No, I didn't think that at first because it was very reminiscent of Denzel Ward's pick six last year. The Bengals were moving the ball all up and down Cleveland's defense last year in that first drive of that game. And obviously, Denzel Ward made a great play to undercut Jamar Chase on that out route and then took it to the house the other way. This one was a little different. Miles Garrett just showed up and made a play and got the tip of the ball in the air and then it came down with the interception. But that's not the play that will highlight it for me. The moment where it highlighted for me was actually a positive play from the Bengals, but did not go into our favor. And that was when Von Bill intercepted the ball, and we pretty much just said, okay, we nicked you back. I thought that from that moment, we was going to seize the momentum and take it down the house and then score. But no, we decided to go three and out, and that's when I just knew that it's going to be a long night. I don't even know if this is – this offense is not showing any ability to adjust and move the ball at all. And if they don't switch up the game plan a little bit
0: or just evolve their game plan, they're not going to win this game. Tom, I, I know when you hit your breaking point in the game, you, you tend to turn it off and get away from it. I'm wondering <laughs> if that happened last night and if so, at what point in the game?
1: Well, um, I've watched up till halftime, like, you know, Frank, I, I like to watch on tape delay, so I watched till halftime, and I went and watched a couple of shows that I normally do. And at halftime, it was eleven, eleven, nothing, and I said, "You know, as much as they're being outplayed, this is still winnable." And I think it turned on that first possession of the second half of Cleveland when they went down and scored a touchdown I said this don't look good and and then they scored again and I'm like oh boy um, and then you see uh, you know McPherson we, uh, Mr. Automatic missed a field goal and extra points and it just went downhill from there there's uh, there's so much to unbundle uh, how how If there's an envelope with a check waiting for Jonah Williams at his locker today, he just ought to give it to to charity because he looked – that was one of the most embarrassing performances I've seen an offensive lineman. He was being tossed around like a toy. And how, number two, how Frank Pollard wasn't fired today. He has not developed one. Pre- well, he, When he came back from the Jets to, for the run game and, and the offensive line coach, you know, I was the one hailing the move. But he has yet, I mean, last year he had, in the beginning, they made progress, uh, mixing, running the ball, totally different. And he, no offensive lineman has really uh, developed under his tutelage. In with this year, or with the money that they put into this line, it's uh, Jonah Williams. Uh, that was one of his worst games, I think, of his career last night. The run game is is existent with this organization. Joe Burrow is, I said it last year, but in the playoffs he came alive, and but he he looks. Gun shy now, to a point where he's not like he just get rid of the ball. It's like he's done getting hit, and unless and they 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 don't turn it if they don't change it because they're behind the eight ball now with the the vision losses, AFC losses. It's they're hoping and praying for them like they did the end of last year, and it doesn't look good.
0: Yeah I have to say this this season is mirroring last season where you know we're kind of middling around 500 and we have a bad loss to the Browns so you know very very much like last season and last season we were able to turn it turn it around this season I'm worried because there's really no reinforcements coming and that's that's the next topic I wanted to talk about was the trade deadline coming and going Justin what are your what are your thoughts on on that?
2: At the time of this recording, I believe that the trade deadline is already come and uh, The trade deadline ends at 2 p.m. at four, I mean, I'm sorry, Tuesday at 4 p.m. So the trade deadline has already gone and passed, and the Bengals have not made any moves. That doesn't mean that they can't take guys that have already been sort of waived because they couldn't find a trade partner. But I really think that the Bengals need to do what they can to find some solid depth at corner. Chido Beauzie just suffered a uh, knee injury in this game and is likely out for the season. And you need to get somebody in there, like, right away. I mean, I know that we like Cam Taylor-Britt, but the guy was just not finally getting up to playing some meaningful snaps in an NFL game as of last week. And now he might have to be potentially your number one corner. Eli Apple was in a hamstring injury, and he was inactive. At least I think it was a hamstring. I'm not quite sure what it was, uh, so someone can probably fact-check me there. Eli Apple was just not available and even when he was available, he was getting beat quite a bit. So you have that. Now you still got rookie Dax Hill too, but he's not a corner. He's a safety. You gotta just get creative because at the end of the day, no one's gonna feel sorry for you with regards to the injuries because other teams are facing their bereft of injuries as well too. You just gotta make it happen. Um, But it does worry me quite a bit that after last night's game, it, it just feels like that this is gonna do a little bit more damage to the team a little bit long term for the rest of the season, than how it did just for the short term. Like we, this is not really a game that I can just say, okay, pack it up, let's let's clean it up and move on. We'll get right next week. It doesn't feel like that's going to be the case this time.
0: I'm hoping that you're wrong on that, but I, I do see why you would have those opinions on it, Tom. I know that you're you're very up on the front office stuff as always. What are your thoughts on what happened with this trade deadline?
1: There is no doubt in my mind that they were going to do nothing, zilch. They had last year where a dreadful offensive line, and they did nothing. This year, they're doing the old, uh, you know, well, you know, we're the old Zach Taylor. Uh, and every team does it, you know. We're looking at all avenues on our roster and blah blah. They weren't going to do anything. They put the money that they needed into the offensive line, and they're just going to say, "Well, we're going to come around." And um, so, it didn't surprise me that they didn't do anything. But with the uh, Wozia injury, I thought maybe they might go after a, a corner because, like, I didn't, I didn't know. Uh, what Justin just said about Eli Apple because they had flowers out there trying to guard wide receivers and he would just run around in circles. They were just turning him no problems. But I, I just... I knew that they weren't going to go get anybody and it's a part for the, the, this organization. You know, all the other teams, Baltimore went and got Roquan Smith. The Dolphins made big moves today. The Bengals are st- staying pat. It, it, it's
0: a part of the course. Yeah, and, and this is the point in the year where if you really want to make a playoff push and you have some deficiencies like the offensive line and now with the injured corners, it really was the time to invest in somebody and, and make a trade because, again, there really are no reinforcements coming. The roster is what it is. And while your other AFC rivals are now getting stronger. We unfortunately got a little bit weaker after this game. Um, Let's move on to the last topic, and that would be where do we go from here? So, Justin, what are your thoughts? You know, it's four and four, almost at the midway point. What's happening the rest of the year for the Cincinnati Bengals?
2: Now, I understand what I said during the last topic um, about like, it feels like that that Monday night's game pretty much have a little bit of a lingering after effects that might not affect us well. But let me flip that and turn it into a positive to answer this question here. Everything's still out in front of us. We're four and four. Do we want to be four and four? Absolutely not. Hell, we didn't even want to be five and three. We wanted to be seven and zero or eight and zero right now at this point. But that's the reality of the NFL. You get beat sometimes, and last night was no different. You know, we we took one on the chin. We we got our lunch handed to us. You know, it sucks that is again by the same team, but it is what it is. But. The panic mode and all of that stuff. I'm not going to panic right now until they show. It shows like a domino effect. This is sort of becoming a recurring trend that they can't start pulling out these wins. I get it. We have offensive line issues, but primarily it's just the tackles' performance. We, what did we expect Jonah Williams to lock up Miles Garrett throughout the whole game? No, Miles Garrett is a top three, probably top one, edge rusher in all of football. That dude is a freak of nature. He's doing that to everybody. And Leo Collins, while that's sort of been a disappointing signing that we all thought it was going to be great, okay, sure, he had a back issue. But at the end of the day, the offensive line was starting to get better, starting it. They just ran into a bus stop and played out of just played out of spots for most of the game. But I don't deny that this offensive line has gotten better. And I am going to stake my claim that. It is the most going to be the most improved unit from last year to this year, in spite of all of the sacks that Joe Burrow took in that Monday Night game. Look who's on the horizon. We got the Carolina Panthers. Now, I'm not going to just write that in the W column because the Bengals need to actually go out there and play and win that game. That is something one thing I am going to slow down with. But you do what you, th- do what you do. You're playing the Carolina Panthers at home, who are rebuilding. They just sold up their assets as well. Too. You're going to the bye. You're five and four. Come out of the bye. You, you you would think you might be a little bit healthier enough and have a little bit more juice and mojo to go on the road at Pittsburgh, a team that you should not have let beat week one, that you would think that you'll get all kinds of revenge to. You know your back's against the wall. You cannot go 0-4 in the AFC North anymore. We even said that you didn't want to go 0-3, but you're now 0-3 in the division. Go beat Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh. Get yourself to 6-4. and four, and then you go into the road in Tennessee and then Kansas City comes back in town. It's still all in front of you. But you just got to buckle up, dust those wounds off, and then just go fight for it. Because while I don't know if the bank, this current Bengals roster now is built to win the AFC North after the injuries that we've taken, the wild card spots are wide open. And I'm sorry, I still feel like that the Bengals at their best is the third best team in the afc along with kansas city and buffalo but i need to see them play it like that down the stretch it's still out in front of you playoffs are still on the horizon you can still get to 10 11 wins maybe even 12 wins if you're very fortunate but you just got to take it one game at a time
0: tom what are your thoughts on where do we go from here and the rest of the season
1: yeah, uh, Justin's right. I mean, listen, uh, we still got a bad taste in our mouth from last night. Uh, it, it just stings a little more because it is a uh, division rival. But, you know, like, like Justin said, looking at the schedule, who would have thought that this is a, a really must-win Sunday with Carolina? You know, like you say they went here. They go into a buy in a positive note. They lose, and it's not it's not healthy. They got two weeks to listen to the skeptics. So, um, you know, it's a big big game, Justin right. But it, you know, it, it just goes back to I don't understand. Like, why do some guys get into a doghouse with? Zach Taylor. Chris Evans started the game last night, had a hell of a catch in that first drive, and then he got one other snap the rest of the game on offense. I, I, p Ryan, to me, you know, he's all right. If, if if Evans gets hurt, okay, you got to play him. But he is not, p Ryan. Should not be getting snaps away from Evans. I know Evans is the kickoff guy. Put P Ryan back there. Half the time they don't be, they do uh they don't even uh, make runbacks anymore in the kickoff. So I, I just it, there's a lot of finger pointing put on this team, and you know, granted we were like Justin said we were going against uh, you know two top. Defensive ends on But Jonah Williams, I mean, he was in positions with his head down. I mean, that, I don't care what you say. It's one one thing to get beat by, uh, you know, when you're in and the guy's just better than you. He looks like a, a junior college player last night, and and he's a left hat. Uh, granted, Collins has been playing better, and our interior lines been playing better. But listen, it's a big game this weekend coming up. They have got to win it. Have any chance of making the playoffs? So um, he's right. Start this Sunday. Get a new momentum going. Look, your, look this team got to look in the mirror and say, okay, let's change on, on all aspects. Coaching
0: staff, players, etc. Hey, I'm with you. At least we're all thinking optimistically. Like you guys are right. This is a huge game against Carolina. It could set the momentum for the rest of the year. We do get a bye week where we can rest some people up and get healthier. So maybe things will turn around. Guys, it was a pleasure talking with you. And I'm hoping that next episode we're going to be it's going to be more of a celebration and we're going to be bragging about how badly we beat the Panthers. <laughs> AFC North standings. The Bengals are currently in second place in the AFC North at four and four. They trail the five and three Ravens, but they're ahead of the three and five Browns and the two and six Steelers. The only issue is we're zero and three in the division and two and three in the AFC, so that could come back to haunt us later in the season if there are any tiebreakers. And the Cincinnati Bengals are currently the ninth seed in the AFC. Week 9 preview, Cincinnati Bengals versus Carolina Panthers. All right, so let's talk about the Panthers for a little bit. The Panthers are 2-6. and six. They traded McCaffrey. It looks like they're phoning in their season. There's two starting quarterbacks that they went in with, or, you know, Mayfield and Darnold, they're both hurt. Matt Corral is hurt, so they're on, like, their fourth option at quarterback. At 2-6, and six, it's pretty bleak to make the playoffs, so now... Again, they kind of phoned it in, and we're a team that has aspirations. They're a team that's kind of looking forward to the future, so this really should be a game that we win. They're in the middle of the pack with the pass offense and the rush offense, and they're in the middle of the pack with the pass defense and the run defense. So there's no real things to exploit or fear. They're not exceptional at anything. They're just kind of the middle, and they're not horrible at anything, so you know, they're just kind of in the middle of the pack. So with that said, let's talk about their personnel a little bit. So you have P.J. Walker, kind of a fourth-string quarterback. He's been playing okay, but, you know, you put Joe Burrow up against P.J. Walker, that should be a Joe Burrow win. you got to watch Walker on the ground. He does run a lot, and he did have an amazing throw to D.J. Moore last week to tie the game at the end. So, you know, he's capable of making some big throws, and you know they're going to be trying to go deep on us a lot this game. So... That's one thing that I would worry about, or the two things I would worry about with him would be the deep throw and the scrambling. Running back, they go with Hubbard as their starter. Deontay Foreman gets a lot of work, and he's the one to worry about. He's 6'1", 236, so that's like a big, bruising running back, and I think he's playing pretty well this year. So that would be a major concern on the offense, is them getting the ball to him and have to worry about tackling a running back of that size for the whole game. And then you go to the wide receivers. No one's really excelling there. DJ Moore is their number one. He had a good game last week. He had the huge. He had a drop right before the huge play, but he has a huge play. Makes the boneheaded decision to take off his helmet. I mean, that's that's major. I probably would bench him for the beginning of the next game just on principle. Like, come on, man, you, you got to be smarter than that. You cost us a victory, right? Because they could have been three and five, and that's a lot better than two and six. A lot easier to climb out of the hole at three and five than two and six. And the selfish move of taking off the helmet just so you can yell at the fans or just so you can show off that you made a great play, just a bad move. But he's something to worry about. I guess he's their number one threat. They have Terrace Marshall on the other side. You know, he's a young player, hasn't really come into his own yet, but still a threat, and that's someone that can get you downfield. They have Smith in the slot. He's not really having a great year either. Rashad Higgins from the Browns on the bench. I always liked him, but they're not really doing much with him. And LaVisca Chenault, they also have from the Jaguars, and he's really not getting that much action either. So, you know, there's some names out there that you want to be afraid of on paper, but they're not really lighting it up. So the the main guys to worry about would be Deontay Foreman and DJ Moore. Tommy Tremble's a tight end. Again, not really lighting it up this year as well. Offensive line, they have Iquanu, Christensen, Bozeman, Corbett, and Moton. Again, on paper, a pretty good line. You know, a couple free agents in there. Corbett from the Rams. Bozeman has been around, played for the Ravens. And uh, like I said, on paper, it looks like a decent line, but they're not really playing that well. I would say the right side of the line is stronger than the left. So, you know, look for us to be sending Osai and Hendrickson a ton on that left side and hopefully having some success. But even Moton's not really having that great of a year at right tackle, so we can exploit that as well. It's really Bozeman and Corbett that are playing well on that line. So that's where they're going to be running. You know, they're going to be running behind those guys with Deontay Foreman, and that's going to be a big thing to worry about or to be thinking about in this game. So attacking them, just make sure you have DJ Moore double-covered. Take your chances with the other guys. Really sell out to stop the Deontay Foreman run. Spy PJ Walker. I guess those are the key things to winning this game. They're not going to beat you with their tight end. They're not going to beat you with their wide receiver depth unless they get lucky or unless our backup corners just totally fail. They're exploitable on the offensive line. So there's a lot here for the Bengals to take advantage of and turn this into a victory. And then you move on to their defense, and there's not a lot of talent there. They have J.C. Horn, the high draft pick, and I guess he's having an okay year, but he is someone to worry about. Brian Burns on the edge seems to be their best pass rusher, and he's having a decent year. Derek Brown is very good on the inside, so that's one guy to worry about as a defensive tackle, good run stuffer. You know, he could be a difference if if the offensive line isn't getting any push. He could be limiting Mixon. So that's one player to really worry about. You have Miles Hartsfield in the slot, who's not having a good year. Xavier Woods as a safety, he's having a decent year. You know, again, good name on paper, but it's not really showing up on the field. So this is a game, I, I don't even know how to attack them offensively. It just feels like everything can work. Unless that defensive, interior defensive line for them really gets up on the running game. Or unless... You know, Jonah Williams has a disaster game. We should be able to do what we want against these guys. We should be able to throw downfield a lot. The linebacking core is not strong at all. The slot corner is not strong. So, I mean, again, Tyler Boyd passes to Mixon, get Higgins downfield. You know, start start incorporating some of these other wide receivers too. It just seems like it's all Boyd and Higgins, Chase and Hurst, and you have other guys on the roster. I know Mike Thomas had the drop this week, but use him. Trent Taylor's a veteran. Use him. He can get open. Trenton Irwin seems to shine whenever he's in there. It was nice to see him get a couple catches this last game and some run after catch. I don't know. You just can't target your top guys all the time. You got to shock teams and surprise them with some role players that they don't expect to shine. And we have enough guys there where. You know, I would I would spread the ball around just a little bit more. But yeah, and also getting back to the the weak linebacker group, this could be a Hayden Hurst game as well. So I, I think all weapons are on the table for Cincinnati. I don't think there's anything that we need to stay away from, anything that we need to fear. And I think Joe Burrow's going to have a decent amount of time to throw the ball this game. Prediction for the game, you have a rebuilding Panthers team versus an insulted, hungry, talented Bengals team at home. This should be a blowout. I have thirty-one twenty Cincinnati Bengals on to 5-4 into the bye week with some momentum. And then let's go from here and build a winning season and do exactly what we did last year with a slightly different result in that last game. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be a review of the Panthers game. And we're also going to look at the team's status heading into the bye week. We're going to go over some headlines and welcome in some special guests as well. I'd like to thank at @bengals highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music. Definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The
1: Unofficial Bengals Podcast.